All right. So today we are in lesson 15, and that is Romans 11, 1 through 36, and we're talking about God's plan. I put the outline on the board, so our first bit is going to be about, um, it, the whole thing is about the Jews and the remnant that there was and why God did that and what his plan was in doing that. So first of all, we'll talk about it, the, um, the separation from the Jews from God, God giving them up to their sin as not being total, then not being final, and then there's a doxology at the end. So I'm just going to pray real quickly and then we will get reading it. Father, thank you for this time um, that we can meet together and to study your word, dear Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word that teaches us so much about you and your good plan for us and um, leads us in worship of your goodness and your holiness and your wisdom, dear Father, that is far beyond anything we can imagine. And so I pray that you would use me as an instrument today. Just empty me of myself, and may my words only be coming from you. In your name we pray, amen. <clears throat> so in the last three chapters of Romans, they've mostly been about the Jews and how they fit into God's salvation plan. Paul tells us that this is a matter that deeply concerned him. In Romans 9, 2 to 3, he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from... Christ, for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul is saying he would rather lose his own salvation than have his fellow kinsmen without theirs. But the reality is, this is the situation we find a lot of the Jews in. A few weeks ago, Bev taught us that God did save a remnant of the unbelieving Jews that did believe and put their faith and hope and trust in the saving grace of God. Back in chapter 9, Paul refers to, the Old Testament, refers to the Old Testament to prove that God's people would be comprised of many Gentiles and a remnant of Israel. Paul quotes from Hosea and Isaiah in Romans 9, 25 to 29, showing how God promises that he would not forget his promise to Abraham. He cut off the unbelieving and would preserve for himself descendants of Israel that would be true sons of God, children who obeyed their heavenly father and put their faith in him as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had. Eva taught us a couple weeks ago that the reason some of the Jews were cut off was because they decided that they would gain a right standing with God with their own efforts. (coughs) They did not put their faith in God. They had a works-based mindset and believed that if they tried to obey the laws that God gave Moses, as well as a few of their own that they put in for good measure, that they would have met all the requirements that God had for them to have eternal life with him in glory. This week, we're going to explore what God's plan was in cutting off the unbelieving Jews, but keeping a chosen group of Jews. God had a plan in all of this. He has a purpose in choosing whom he chooses and cutting off whom he cuts off. Chapter 11 reveals this to us and helps us to better understand the goodness, grace, and love that God has for us, his chosen people. We will see that God's rejection of the Jews is neither total nor final. There is a remnant that remains at present, and God promises that there is going to be a recovery of the Jews in the future. It's something worth rejoicing in, as Paul does at the end of chapter 11. I'm going to read chapter 11 right now in its entirety. 
I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite and a a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? The Israel's, Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the, right, the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means a reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. And that is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand steadfast through faith. So do not become ground, but, but fear. Sorry, do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness of the severity and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. 
and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. For God was consigned, has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments how unscrutable his ways for who has known the mind of the lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever amen so our first point is the rejection of the jews is not total Paul starts off this chapter by answering a question. Given that chapter 9 and 10 tell us that God has chosen some Jews as a remnant and not all, did God reject his chosen people Israel? Paul answers emphatically, by no means. Paul goes on to give proof that backs his claim. He does this with four proofs. We saw some of the arguments as we answered our first question on page 155 of our books. What are some of the answers that you came up with for question number one? Some of the proofs that it is not total. For verse 11, verse 1, what did Paul say? Because he was saved. Right. He was a Jew. God did not reject all his people is the fact that Paul was a Jew himself. He who had called himself a blasphemer and a persecutor of God had not been rejected by God. So there's our first proof. Second proof. Uh, verse 11, ver- uh, chapter 11, verse 2a. What does that say? The verse says, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. That's the key part. What does that mean? Right. Yeah, that's true. But the the key part in that verse is who he foreknew. Um, he's, Paul is essentially saying, did God reject his, chose, his special chosen people, the people of his covenant, which God himself declared unbreakable? In verse 2, we see Paul describing the Jews as his people that he foreknew. If you remember Romans 8, verse 29, Paul talks about those that God foreknew. This means the same as those that God foreloved or were chosen by God. The idea of choosing and then in the same idea rejecting the nation of Israel would be contrary to God's character. That is why it is explained that a portion are rejected and not all. Uh, The third proof that there was is... Chapter 11, 2b through 5. What does he, how does he prove there? That God, yeah. He says right in there he has kept 7,000. Right. So in the past, 
in Elijah's time, do you remember the story where um, Elijah, all the prophets had been killed and Elijah was afraid that he was going to be killed. They were coming to kill him and he was like, I'm the only Jew that's left. If you, they kill me, your promise is no more. And God said to him, I've taken 7,000. Now, whether it was actually 7,000, we don't know. Seven is a number of completion. A thousand is a number of completion. So it might just be that... Um, it was God's complete number, the remnant that was taken. Um, so yeah, God uses the historic story of Elijah fearing for um, his life that um, he had taken a remnant as well. This is the first time in the Bible that we see God reserving a remnant. And the fourth proof I have is um, it was present day for Paul as well. Paul says in verse 5, So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. That fact that this remnant is chosen by grace shows us that God has called the remnant into being, just as he had reserved for himself a loyal minority in Elijah's day. So we see again that God had chosen to have grace on whom he will. Grace is God's kindness to the undeserving. So if his election is by grace then it is not by works. For if it by works, then grace would no longer be grace. In verse 7, Paul again asks another question. What then? Israel failed to obtain what they were seeking. The elect obtained it, but the, grace, the rest were hardened. So what was Israel seeking in this? Israel was seeking righteousness. They did this of their own accord, not according to God in faith for guidance. Those that God chose saw that, righteous, saw that righteousness because they were justified by faith. Those that refused to have faith and believe in God were hardened. This hardening could also be explained as God giving them up to their own desires. That desire is a desire to gain righteousness without faith. Paul quotes two passages where he proves that God gave sinners over to their own desires. The first is from Deuteronomy 29, and the second is from Psalm 69. So we can see that Paul has proven that there is a portion of the Jews that have been cut off from God. Not all the Jews have been given this fate. Paul also wants to prove that it is not forever that the Jews will be cut off from God. God had a reason for cutting off the Jews. It was, in fact, to give them over to their desires, but there is a much greater reason for their having been only a chosen number of Jewish believers. And this brings us to our next point in our outline, which is it's not final. <clears throat> God, in his infinite wisdom, had a plan. Many of the Jews were given over to their work-based efforts to gain righteousness. It was these Jews whose hearts were hardened toward God. As Paul shows us earlier in Romans 1, when people continue to live in their trespasses, God will give them over to their sin. That was what God did here to the Israelites that would not put their faith in God. God refers to what, sorry, Paul refers to what God did in a very vivid analogy. Paul refers to the casting out of the rebellious Jews as the dead, spiritually dead, branches being pruned from the olive tree. He then goes on to say that this happened so that the Gentiles, the wild olive shoot, could be grafted into the nourishing root of the olive tree. Paul says that God allowed the Jews to stumble in order that the Gentiles would come to faith in Christ Jesus. 
Paul says that God's plan was that the Gentiles coming to faith would make the Jews jealous or envious of the relationship they have with God and in turn make them return to God in faith as well. So I really struggled with this portion of um, the scripture this week. And the thought that kept running through my head was, why? I understand that God gave the Jews over to their sinfulness and therefore cut off a portion of the Jews to live their lives their own way apart from God. But why did this have to happen to graft in the Gentiles? Why couldn't the Gentiles have been grafted in without the Jews having to stumble to get them there? Do you understand my question? Like, to me, it's a whole tree. Why couldn't he just graft them in? I get that they were sinful and that they needed to be removed but why did that have to happen in order for them to be grafted in so at first in studying this what i noticed was that the jews lost their place of their own accord they chose not to follow god and therefore god gave them up to their own transgressions secondly in cutting off of the jews the ministry focus would have naturally changed If the Jews you're meeting with give you opposition and rejecting your message constantly, then ministry to those who are actually listening with open and willing hearts would have been where the gospel was heard. Think of the unfolding of the rejection of the Jews and the grafting in of the Gentiles as a sequence of events that took place. I'm just going to write it out here. So first of all, the Jews rebel. And then salvation is taken to salvation to the Gentiles. There's an eye in there somewhere. Yes. <laughs> to the Gentiles. <laughs> um, and then some Jews were saved. Because they saw that the Gentiles had faith. And then, because of that, God has a plan for an appointed number of Jews to be saved. Okay? So there's a sequence of events that happens here. In the research I did, I found that in cutting off the Jews for himself and saving the Gentiles, God was sending a message to the world. He was showing the Jews that their Jewishness was not going to save them. As John Piper puts it, and I listened to a few of his sermons, so good. So, I mean, I do, our teaching here is, listen to him. My teaching here, you need to listen to him because he'll really explain it for you. As he puts it, God was saying to the Jews, your ethnicity will not save you. Don't boast in your distinction boast in your Messiah. The lesson was for Jews and Gentiles alike. God was showing that we should not depend on ourselves, but only on God for our salvation. The Jews were so proud of their Jewishness that they rejected the need for God. Paul goes on to warn the Gentiles who have been grafted in. He says, if you think you can't be cut off, think again. Just because you were grafted in when I cut off my own people doesn't mean you can't be cut off too if you boast in yourself and and not in my saving works for you. Verse 22 says it so clearly. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. 
severity towards those who have fallen, but kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. We can take away three major points from the lesson God has in this passage. The first one is God can and will save all Israel without being bound to save any Jews because he is Jewish. Second, God can and will save the Gentiles who do not boast over the broken off limbs. And the third and most importantly is therefore no one can boast in anything. It's all grace. This should make us stop and think. Do we boast in ourselves instead of God's grace? The consequences of boasting in ourselves are serious. God cut off his own chosen people because they did not put their trust in him or boast in his grace. We are the Gentiles. We've been grafted in by the grace of God. We deserve none of the goodness of God's grace. We have done nothing to deserve his goodness. Think about where we boast. Do we think ourselves better than other Christians? Do we think on the ladder of to heaven that we are on a higher rung than those whose faith we perceive as lesser? This is a dangerous place to sit. We need to look to Christ and boast in his saving work. We cannot take credit for anything. As we move on the into the, te- into the text, there's another important thing to note. Paul says in verse 25, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, a partial hardening of the Jews will remain. Once that number has been reached, it is then that Israel will be reconciled to God and the hardening will be removed. Paul is saying that just as the Gentiles were grafted into the tree, so shall the Jews who do not continue in their unbelief. Paul is saying that God has a plan to bring his chosen covenant people into a right relationship with him. God's plan is not for the Jews to be cut off forever. His plan, right from the selecting of the remnant, was for his people to return to him. It's an awe-inspiring thing to see his plan take shape right from the moment he allowed those who did not believe to live their own chosen way. His love is so great for his people that even though he let them live apart from his glory, God in his goodness had a plan to restore his chosen people. At this stage, we don't know what that will look like, whether it'll be all the Jews that are restored or just a set number, but it's God's plan and he has that worked out. But what we know for sure is there will be a number, there there will be a return to faith of some or all the Jews once the full number of Gentiles comes to faith. The cutting off of the Jews will not be forever. So that brings me to two other thoughts under the heading of missions. Bringing people to Christ, telling people about Christ, Gentiles, but we also need to be doing this to the Jews as well. The Jews need to, in order for Christ to come back to take us home, we, there needs to be a number of Jews that, so we need to Um, There needs to be an urgency in missions to tell people about Christ because a certain number of Gentiles needs to come to Christ and then the Jews will turn to Christ and then God will come back for us. So it's just a heaviness that I just thought of. God does show 
does this to show his mercy on the disobedient Jews, just as he did on the disobedient Gentiles. Verses 30 to 32 show us that. We are all disobedient, and God has called us to faith. Those of us who embrace the gospel and turn to him in faith will receive his mercy. This text is a message to us all. The Jews have been cut off for our sake. We Gentiles have been grafted into God's family. We do not deserve God's grace. But because we have been called by him and believe, Jews will see the mercy shown to us and desire the same mercy. This will bring a select number of Jews to faith in Christ. All this is done to fulfill God's plan of salvation for Gentiles and Jews. God shows his mercy on Gentiles and Jews alike. This was done to show us his mercy and grace and goodness and severity, all of it, for Jews and Gentiles. It was done to show us we have nothing to boast in but to boast in Christ himself. There is nothing we or anyone can do to gain our righteousness, our ethnic background, our bank accounts, our jobs, our perceived holy living, our desire to serve, our attempts to work for his goodness. Nothing we do can gain us the forgiveness and righteousness we need. It is all a rich, kind, merciful, gracious gift from an all-knowing, all-wise, extravagant gift giver. Because we recognize this, we can rejoice with Paul as he did in the last few verses of Romans 11. I'm just going to read those few verses again. Romans 11, 33 to 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? And who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Can you hear the awe that Paul is calling his readers to in recognizing God's extraordinary plan for the world? Paul stops at the end of this marathon of explaining the gospel and God's plan for salvation to look back and see the beauty and the knowledge and the wisdom and the glorious riches of God through his plan of redemption. If you really sit back and let the reality of God's plan for your salvation take root in your heart, you will have only the same desire. Your desire to worship God and his good plan for you will equal Paul's. But we should also take time for inner reflection. We need to be sure that we aren't boasting in ourselves for our righteousness. We have done nothing to deserve what we have. It was all a good plan of God from the beginning. A plan to have a relationship with you and me. A plan to adopt us as his own. Praise God for his good plan. So in closing, I wonder if you'd feel comfortable talking at your tables about where this lesson leaves you. When you think about the lengths God has gone to ensure you are his child and that his chosen people will be brought to a right relationship with again, how do you feel about your faith? Does it make you reevaluate what you boast in? Do you want to share any questions or noteworthy observations at your table? Take this time to do that. But as always, if you have any questions about what you've heard, um, don't be afraid to ask. If we don't know the answers, we will um, turn.
turn you towards someone who does, or we'll do our best to find out the answers. So just take a few minutes. I'm just going to pray, and then you can take a few minutes to just talk about um, where this leads you. I'll pray quickly first. Father, we thank you for your word and what you have taught us from it today, for your good plan for us, for your plan um, to ultimately um, bring your chosen people back. And when you do that, um, you will come return for us. Thank you for your love and for your acceptance. And that even when we think we have things figured out, you have a way better plan for us. Thank you for our salvation and your um, desire to have a relationship with us. We leave all this in your hands. We pray that you would go with each family that is represented here. Care for them throughout the week. In your name we pray. Amen.